the book of Psalms, uh, chapter uh, 34, and this is not going to be a long message because we heard already such an awesome introduction and the testimonies are really great. Um, Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 through 19 and 20. And I'd just like to talk briefly, just for a couple minutes this morning, about how God is near to people that are broken and how God builds a capacity in our heart to trust Him. And the theme this month of our sermons are faith, thinking with God in faith. And let's read verse 18 through, 9, through, through 20. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, is there anyone righteous here that has many afflictions? <laughs> okay. But the Lord delivers him out of some of them. No. Delivers them out of all of them. How many have their Bibles here this morning that are reading along with me? Okay, good, good. So you should have caught that. You should have said, Pastor Chris, that's not what it said. You should have interrupted me and said, hey, you're not quoting the scripture right. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. All of them. And verse 20, he keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. And bones speak of, in the believer's life, our inner structure, our, um, our core being. God never breaks and destroys the core of us. And he speaks of the bones as the inner man, the new man, the man in Jesus Christ. And the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart. Isn't that beautiful? That there's something that attracts God, that's attractive to God in our life when we are broken. When we are broken, there's a certain attractiveness that brings the Lord near to us. God is attracted to your brokenness and to suffering. He's, a bro he's attracted to that in your life. And what does that mean? That when you and I suffer, and when there is trouble in our life, and we are broken people, then the Lord draws near. Because why? God is a God of compassion. Just as when you and I see a wounded animal or a person that's wounded, we, are, we draw near to help. We are, we are moved with compassion. But on a much higher level, on a much higher, farther, <laughs> eternal way, God is attracted to brokenness. God cannot resist those of us who humbly and honestly admit how desperately we need Him. What is God's goal in our life? The flesh is always telling you and I that God wants to make you more and more powerful and more and more um, bulletproof. But really what God is looking for in our life is brokenness because only when we are broken can He be strong. 
Paul said this. Didn't Paul say this when Eleanor was sharing the testimony and when Diana was telling us also about the amazing faithfulness of God, I thought about how when we are broken, that we have the presence of God's power and grace resting on us. Many times that doesn't come into our life until we, until we just surrender to God and say, okay, God, I'm broken. And that could be a process. And how many of us have felt that process of breaking in our life? Even it could take, begin starting at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, we just are broken. And the purpose of this is, is that God cannot work effectively in our lives personally or he cannot work effectively in our families or in our church until we are physically and surrendered to God until we are broken. I think there are times when we wrestle with things in our mind and we are trying to wrap our head around a situation and we are just battling. It's like we are like with the, it's just like Jacob and the angel. Remember when they wrestled all night? Remember that? In the land of Penuel? Remember that? And they were wrestling and they were wrestling and then Jacob said, I will not let you go. And the angel said, let me go because the day is coming. Dawn is breaking. And the amazing man of God, Jacob, said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then what happens? The angel touched the side of Jacob's thigh it came out of socket, creating weakness in his life, but he got the blessing. And for us to experience, well, let's just say it this way. People that we look at that God has used in a great way in their lives have always had some type of dislocated hips, symbolically. They've always had some type of great weakness in their life. Not a weakness to sin, but just a situation, something that has... Uh, been like Paul, had a thorn in his flesh. Weakness always accompanies the power of God in our life. And we should look at weakness, and we should look at um, being handicapped in whatever way we are, whether it is inside our soul, maybe it is we are physically, maybe it's financially, maybe it's something that God has allowed in our life to, to handicap us, but rejoice in that because that's our greatest asset. And I want to say this, write this down, think of this, remember this. When you leave the service today, remember this one statement, your weakness is your greatest asset. Why? Because that's where God can be strong in your life, right? Your weakness is your greatest asset in your life because that's where God's grace can be strong in your life. If we are always strong in ourselves, then where is the strength of God? It does not exist, does it? God cannot be strong in our life because we are too strong. And I think that many times God would say to us, I would like to be great and strong in your life, but you are too strong. And that's why it says here that the Lord is near to them that have a broken heart. I think it's just great to say, Lord, okay, I give I don't understand, okay, I just... I just fall before you in, in worship and in surrender. And you know something, when that happens, then we sense the nearness of God, don't we? How many know, how many know what I'm talking about? Like when we just, we just put, throw in the towel, not quitting, but we just say, okay, God, I surrender to you. And then what happens? 
we sense the presence of God. And I think that there's many, many Christians today that never experienced the presence of God on that level. They've experienced the presence of God in a very emotional way. They've experienced the God in a very inspirational way. They've gone to inspirational meetings. They've gone to listen to inspirational speakers. They've gone and they've been stimulated in their emotions or stimulated in their, you know, in their, in their, in, 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 in their soul. But there was no deep, quiet comfort and strengthening on the inner man. Do you know what I'm saying? How many know what I'm saying? Um, and that's what, ha- that's what ha- we have to be careful with today, don't, don't we, with churches and meetings and things that we go to. We have to ask ourselves, when I'm at a meeting or watching something on TV, ask yourself this question. Is the inner man being fed on a spiritual level, or is this speaker, or is this event, or is this service, or is this meeting stimulating my soul and my physical body. Because if it's not, if, if there's no brokenness, then we just do not hear from God. And we leave the service and we have to come back next week for our next religious fix. Do you know what I'm saying? Let me understand what I'm saying. We want content, don't we, from God? And I'm not saying that God can't, God uses many, many, many churches, and we're just one of many, many churches in the world that God is using. We're not elitists in any sense. But why does God allow suffering? And I think Eleanor's question is such a great question. We ask ourselves why. We know the answer why, but we still answer. We still ask the question why. Well, listen to this. There's something about physical suffering, and then not only physical suffering, but just suffering in general in our lives that enables us to realize that we are 100% dependent on God. Why does God allow things to come into our life? You know, and sometimes when people tell me things that they're experiencing that really just rubs them the wrong way, and I have things in my life that really rubs me the wrong way. And when that happens, you know, and it happened this morning. I got up early this morning and something really rubbed me the wrong way. And I was just, I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to, you know what? This is working in my life to cause brokenness so that you can be strong in my life. And that doesn't make any sense naturally. But when that happens, we realize that we are 100% dependent on God. I think as we get older, we realize that we are more and more dependent on people, on, de- on dependence, on people's kindness, on people's generosity. But mostly we are dependent on God. And um, as we, as you know, when you, when we become elderly people, then it, it you know, it, do not evaluate yourself based on what you can do. That's the wrong way. And I think that God allows weakness to come into our life. Something that Anne-Marie's dad told me uh, a year and a half ago that really spoke to me. He said, you know, he said, when, when you're getting older, you realize that you become more dependent on God. And why does God allow that? Because he, there's something that really pleases God, and that's dependency on God. And I just want to say this. 
Hebrews chapter 11. Just turn there with me. And I, I, I want us to look at this. Hebrews chapter 11. And um, it says this. That before, before God did any great miracle, there was always, there was four things that accompanied every great miracle. Before I say that though, what pleases God in your life? Dependency, faith, just pleases God. God has brought you to a place where you are more dependent on God than you were before. And that's, that's spirituality, that's maturity. Maturity, spiritual maturity is not activity necessarily. That could be actually very immature. There's a lot of very active people but are very immature. They maybe are very spiritually hyperactive but do not know how to rest in the Lord. Faith, faith cannot be something that is worked up and it doesn't take place in the emotions. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says it. That faith is a conviction of things not seen. Your faith pleases God. I just want to say, I want to speak to us as a church today, okay? And just really listen to what I'm saying here. Is that, is that we have certain <coughs> expectations from God, don't we? About what we want to see happen here. And we have seen some things happen that God has done already. And I just want to say that when you step out in a, step, in a faith adventure in your life, there's going to be a lot of other opportunities that open up that are going to be, like, much nicer. I remember our pastor, our founding pastor of Greater Grace, had an opportunity to take over a church in Boston. And it was a large church. The pastor had, had there was no longer a pastor there. And he was selected to take over that church. And it was a large church. It was in Boston. He was a Red Sox fan, so he was really excited about that. He thought, I could be in Boston. I could be right near the Fenway Park, you know. And um, our poor Bruins lost to the Canadians. So we're not going to mourn about that. But some of us are Boston fans here, but that's okay. But you know something? Another opportunity came up for him. And it was to pastor a small church up in Maine. There were six elderly people there. The church was in just ruins. There was a big hole in the middle of the floor, literally big hole in the middle of the floor that if you walked there, you would just fall into the basement. And he took over this church. And he took the, and there, the pay in Boston was really great, but there was hardly, there was nothing, there was no pay at this other church that he took over in Maine. And God led him to go to Maine to take over that church. And when he did that by faith, he did that because he did it unto the Lord, and that pleased God. And I just want to say that our faith in God for our church here, and our faith in God for our families, and I, so I know many of you here today are believing God for your families, for your grandkids, for your kids. I know that you have faith, for God, faith in God for that, and that pleases God. I believe that there's many other opportunities that could have come up for some of us that moved up here, that live here. Other opportunities come up that are, you know, amazing opportunities. But you know something? We're here because of the love of God. We have a faith that's motivated by love. And that creates a measure of suffering in your life. When you, are, when you, are and, I are, when you and I are obedient to God, it creates a measure of suffering, doesn't it? 
Because we could live a lot different life, a lot more comfortable life instead of being obedient to God. And when we live in that obedience and trust to God that produces suffering and that suffering attracts the compassion of God. And that is pleasing to God. Our faith is pleasing to God. And I just want to encourage you today that you do not throw away your capacity to trust God for things in your life. And I want to ask you, next week is what I'm going to do, okay? Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to bring probably 30 little booklets, empty booklets, and I'm going to give them away to each one of everyone that's here. Whoever's here is going to get one. It's going to be empty. And it's going to be a little book. It's going to be, it's going to be for you. And it's going to call, be called Prayer and Expectation. And what I want you to do is just, however you want, just write in that little booklet, little thin book, little notebook, your prayers and your expectations from God for this summer and fall and this coming year. And I'll have it for you next week. Why? Because our faith pleases God. And if we want to exercise ourselves in faith according to the will of God, that is pleasing to God, and it means a lot. Because faith is a conviction about something. It's a persuasion. It's an assurance of something that doesn't yet exist. Because we know God, and we know something about God. Let's look here at, um, let's he- look here. I want to re- look at the one thing here in Luke chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 9. And there are four things that, and then I'm going to close, Matthew chapter 9. There are four things that accompany every one of, mir- every miracle that we see in the Bible. Four. Four ingredients. Jesus, remember how Jesus challenged our faith? Luke 8, 25, he said, where's your faith? Don't, condemn, don't be condemned when the Holy Spirit challenges you and says, where's your faith? Because faith doesn't come by me trying to work it up. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing from God in my prayer closet. Hearing the promises of God and the Word of God. If you are in a place in your life where you're becoming more and more desperate for God, more and more desperate for church, more and more desperate for meetings, then that's a good place. That's a really good place. And that's called revival. That means God is working. That means God is working in our life. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, it says this. It says, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Let's actually start um, verse 28. And after he had come into the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus, I want to start in verse 27, actually, gives, it gives us some context. And Jesus passed on from there. Two men followed him, crying out and saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. So as Jesus is passing, there's two blind men that are following after him. Think of the situation, blind. Okay, blind, and they're following after Jesus. How, first of all, did they know about Jesus? They never saw him. How did they know about Jesus? They what? Heard. Heard. Right? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. We are spiritually blind. We are blind to what's going on in our life. We are blind to the reasons why things happen. And that's why we say why. And we are human beings. And that's okay. That's the way it is. But we are a measure. We have a measure of blindness. The blind men followed Jesus and they said, Have mercy on us, son of David. Now, why son of David? Because David was the king of all God's grace and mercy. He was the man. He was God's grace man. 
He was God's mercy man. He understood the grace and the mercy of God. Grace of God that wants to bless you and I, even when we don't deserve it. You ever be in your house and you're walking around your house condemning yourself? Just thinking, I'm such a bad Christian. I should be this way, but I'm not. I should be this way as a dad, but I'm not. I should be this way as a mother, and I'm not. I should be this way as a grandmother, as a great-grandmother. I should be this way as a missionary, as a servant of God, as a pastor, but I'm not. At that moment, we have to realize that this is a moment of God's grace, that God loves us at this moment as much as he did when we were at the top of our game, when we were doing really good, because God's grace does not change. Have mercy on us, son of David. And I think that the blind men understood something about Jesus, that he was a that he was the son of a man of grace, son of David. And after he had come into the house, verse 28, 20, 28, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to him, now stop, let's stop there for a second. These men say this to Jesus, but he keeps walking. Right? He keeps walking. You ever pray a prayer and then not get an answer? It seems like God keeps going, keeps walking. But they followed him into the house. And I think that when we know something about Jesus Christ, we may not get an immediate answer, but we follow him into where he's going. And they came up to him and they said, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? I like that question. Because Jesus is always addressing our faith. He's never addressing our ability. Okay? We think it's ability. God, I will go across the, the world for you. I will do this great thing for you. I will do all of this for you. But Jesus here is not addressing that. He's addressing their faith. Do you believe that, I can able, that I'm able to do this? And the question is, can God do this? Think about something that's impossible in your life. And just ask yourself this question, can God do it? What's the answer? Yes. I got my tax bill in my hand. I'm going to the mortgage office, right? <laughs> Can God do this? I don't know. I'm praying. All, like, I like what Diane said. I'm praying all the whole way. <laughs> How many of us have ever been in that place? We got the bill in the hand. We're praying all the way. And we get there and we see God's intervention. Are you, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. They said, yes, Lord, we believe. We don't know if, how much they believe, but they said yes. You know, they said yes. And he touched their eyes in verse 29, saying, be it done to you according to your faith. And I just want to say this, that, you know, I got some great news. Our pastor in Turkey, who's Turkish, had a very serious liver disease. And it usually ended, it was usually a fatal disease. Uh, his wife contacted us, or wrote on Facebook, not only us, but wrote on Facebook this past week that uh, her husband went to the doctor for a checkup, and they said there's no trace of that disease in his, in his liver. Isn't that amazing? amazing? It's like a severe form of cirrhosis, if I got that correct. It's like a really bad uh, disease, and it's fatal. And they said it's gone. How does that, things like that happen? It's not that we have to work up a capacity of faith to believe, or positive, because faith is not positive thinking. Because a lot of times you and I are focusing and f functioning in faith, but we're not really positive people. We're just out there doing it. We're just like, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm just trusting the Lord. I'm moving forward. It's not great. I don't feel awesome. 
but I'm thinking with God. And you know something? God said to these blind men, be it according to your faith. To the measure, and I'm going to close with this, to the measure that you and I know who Jesus Christ is and hear his voice in our life is the measure that we're going to have a capacity of faith. You know, our faith will be tried. We need to build up our faith in 1 Peter 1.7. And what is, the, what is the thing that overcomes this world system in 1 John 5 verse 4? Our faith. And I'll just finish with this, is that, think of it, your and my simple trust in the Lord to see something happen in our neighborhood, in our city, in our church, in our families, and in our marriages, and in our personal life, that means everything to God. And I just want to build us up today in our faith, and I want to do this Maybe again next month, just build us up, build us up to say, you know what, I think I can believe God. I think I know something about God that I didn't know before that makes me want to believe Him. Build ourselves up, because as we do this, we live in a conviction about something that other people don't see. And I don't know who said this, but, but uh, the point is this, is that the seed of faith that you and I have is what makes all the difference. If we have the seed right, and we plant the seed, because inside the seed is the DNA for the plant, and it's for the, the plant that, that, that grows up and breaks up the mountain. It's in the seed, and if our seed is correct, the seed of faith, and we plant that by faith, it's going to grow up, and the Lord begins to work, and begins to... He begins to break out on every side and we begin to see God do something over here that we didn't expect. And we begin to see God do something over here that we didn't expect. And then God touches this person over here that we didn't expect. And then over here. And then we're just amazed. We're looking around saying, wow, what is God doing? It's because we cast our bread upon the water and after many days, it comes back. Cast not away the confidence Cast not away your confidence that has great recompense and reward. Don't cast it away. And I know that some of us are believing God for our families, for our neighbors. I know that some of us are believing God for people's health. And uh, let's keep trusting and keep believing and watch God's hand move because we're sent here to be a part of a miracle. And those four things, I didn't tell you. Let me read them again. Number one, four things that every miracle... Um, accompanies number one, great need and a handicap. Two blind men, okay? Great need. Great, great need in your life. That's the first ingredient of a miracle. If you have a great need, then that's the first ingredient of a miracle. Number two, a great understanding of who Jesus was. Son of David, right? Son of David, having a great understanding of who Jesus Christ was. Then the third thing that accompanies every great miracle is the great question that addresses our faith. Do you believe I'm able to do this? This is what Jesus said. And number four, there's a great answer according to the measure of faith. A great answer according to the measure of our faith. I have a, I have a great seed of faith in my heart, and I have a great, a great promise from God, a great conviction, a great persuasion that God is going to, is doing something and will do something great here in this area. It's just there. And, and I like what Pastor Tony said, we can't rush to do it. But if you and I 
are faithful to come out to church, to come out to the meetings, to pray together, to worship the Lord together. And if we come out on Thursday nights, and I tell you, if you come out, it's going to be a special blessing. In the middle of your work week, if you come out, it'll be awesome. Those of us that have been able to come out on Thursday nights are really blessed. It's a special, it's a special service. If we keep coming out and if we keep meeting together, then we're going to see the Lord do great things and we're going to be a part of it. And 10 years down the road, we're going to all be looking at each other like, wow, what, a, what an amazing ride. What an amazing work that God has done in our life. Amen. So I just want to say this to build us all up and to encourage us. Um, we ordered the chairs, the new chairs for the chapel. Uh, they should be coming in the next week, next in the next seven to ten days. And when they come in, then we can put down the rug and put in the new chairs, and it's just going to be really nice in here. Amen? Amen. So let's close in prayer.